Views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everyone. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome you to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And this is our Street Smart Spirituality Hour. You know, a couple of years ago when we decided to do this hour, um, it was interesting how it kind of came about. One of the things that I thought was, in my mind, you know, what if we could take a different hour out of the 14 hours a week that we do the Dr. Pat show and now, of course, Transformation Talk Radio, but what if we could take an hour out of each week and uh, and, and, and simply step back from a minute uh, and look at consciousness, our lives, what it means to be spiritual beings what does this mean about our lives this is this is what this hour has been about and i've had so much fun with it because it is very different for those of you that listen to this hour you have told me this that uh, this hour is very very different than the others that i do throughout the week and the question came to me why is it different well tonight's show is going to be a perfect example of why it is different You know, some folks said that I should call this Dr. Pat Unleashed. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? So there must be a perception that there's a calmer, gentler, or maybe a a little bit more scaredy-cat version of me that comes on in the daytime. Because when I do this show, this is where I open up and I I let uh, come forth this incredible for me, uh, curiosity that I have about the realm of spirituality, life, death, Christ, Buddha, uh, Mary, uh, you name it, Kuan Yin. And I'm not a person that has gone off and studied in Tibet or studied with a master or done any of the kind of Dalai Lama-ish kinds of things. But what I know about myself and my life is that at a very early age, I had an encounter with Jesus. Not the kind of encounter that you might think, but I had an encounter in, in one of the most unusual places. And I think when you have an encounter at a very young age, such as I did, and not quite being bombarded with the devastating filters and layers of crust that we accomplish and achieve throughout our lives, something gets imprinted. Today, and as I was reading the book authored by 
uh, my very special guest today, along with Catherine Julian Dove, and we're going to talk about Catherine in a minute, uh, Vera Lauren. I was reminded. Uh, I was reminded of of how excited I was as a youngster to understand realms that we now talk about. You know, the realms of consciousness, the divine mind, the mind of God. But what is it in our lives that leads us down the path where sometimes we forget? the real meaning of Christ. So today, I'm going to have a blast with talking to Vera about this incredible book I have in front of me, The Measure of Christ's Love. And we'll probably talk about some things that she has in the book, probably some things not in the book, but definitely some things that are probably on the minds of many of you as you've seen the changes that have gone on in the world have asked yourself the questions why and are longing for that feeling of satisfaction and peace that comes from within. Today, Vera Lauren joining me here today is someone that has had visions herself. She is an incredible intuit. Uh, you'll hear about chal- what it means to channel. You'll hear about spirit. Her, uh, her experience with this amazing woman Catherine Julia, Julian Dove, and most importantly, when a person says yes to that which you cannot see, you'll hear from her how she has to show up in the world today to take out a very powerful message that most people probably don't understand and many stand on the edge of ridicule about. So, Vera, I want to welcome you to the show. It's, it's great to have you here, and, and I apologize for canceling the last time. It's great oh, to no, have you please. here. Thank you, first of all. I'm humbled the opportunities this path has granted me, and I thank you for allowing me to be honored to be a guest on your show, and to the listeners, I'm grateful for them welcoming us into their homes and hearts. And, and please, I know you were, you were sick last week, and, and you've gone through some tragedy recently, which is... I don't know if you're willing, wanting to share. I guess I maybe yes. should have said that. But um, no. I appreciate so much being here. And you made me laugh when you said some of the ridicule and things because I have to laugh. Catherine, my dear sister friend who, who has passed, ascended, who she's absolutely thrilled about that, which I'll tell you in a second. But she and I, one of our bonds we had together was that the paranormal is our normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the ridicule is right. You're absolutely right. But I don't, e- I-, I don't even look at it. I just had a conversation recently with a friend who was saying, but you're weird. You know, you're weird. And I thought, I don't think of myself as weird. I don't think of these beliefs as weird. They just make more sense to me than anything. And that was really my first introduction as a little kid. Uh, around six years old, is very clear memories that I feel that metaphysics, which meta meaning um, physics and, and, and um, excuse me, beyond and physics, beyond the physical, um, you can, it's like a gradation of a lake. You can go as deep as you want or up to your ankles in the lake or go over your head, however far you want it to take you. And even though at first I had a lot of questions answered for me, more and more questions came up. So we're always questioning. But uh, the inner peace you get is something that I would never be a trade-off. 
And if you wouldn't let me mind me going on for a minute here about Catherine. Yes, um, I was going to ask you about Catherine because, you know, I mean, this is really kind of, you know, for a lot of people listening to the show, you know, who are really scratching their heads about their lives and, you know, where the heck did God go? Right. Uh, I think it would be great to talk about Catherine and, and how she's sort of passed the torch to you. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, Catherine and I knew each other about 28 years, and we had been, been we, were, we were last because we were like groupies. When we first met one another, we would run around, and anyone we can go see or talk to, we couldn't get enough of spirituality. And we loved that we could talk and, and not have to worry about what, you know, be judged with one another. And a lot of religions today, and there's nothing against religion. If someone is in a religion, our book, actually, The Measure of Christ's Love, does enhance that, those beliefs. But a lot of them have a lot of fear in there. They, you know, they're based on fear, and you shake someone's foundation, and it frightens them. And here Kathy and I were able to talk and say whatever we wanted. Anyway, um, we had a um, – we, you know how life gets busy, and we separated for a while, not wanting to. It wasn't any big deal or anything, and we were trying to hook up. I was trying to find her. She was trying to find me. And a lot of things happened uh, in the interim. I had um, Archangel Michael appear before me. And she had many, many different things. And so when one day I was on the phone and I was talking about how I wanted to get a hold of her, and it had been a couple of years, and my phone rang, and I looked down, and it was her name came up. She had found me. <laughs> and evidently, Master Jesus had come to her and had been coming to her and said, okay, we have this work. We need to get it out there. It's time you connect it with Vera because now we need her expertise, to which I responded, well, you must really be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Kathy, uh, she was more shocked than anybody at her role. She was an amazing channel. And I'll explain to people who don't know what channeling is scientifically. Because, Dr. Pat, I take a scientific, pragmatic approach to spirituality. I really, you know, when I talk to atheists, I actually on Amazon.com, we have 25 five-star reviews. And there's an atheist that wrote in. And he's kind of upset with me now because I've got him thinking. And I said, you know, you're right to believe, not to believe in the God you were taught, because the God you were taught about was an angry God, and that's not the God I believe in at all. Anyway, getting back to Catherine, a channel like her comes about, or comes around, like I said, every 200 years or so, if that. And she had a lot of masters around her, and her story is quite interesting how it first happened. But um, when, then when, when about two years before she passed, things began to be. Uh, more and more responsibilities began to be handed over to me. And the Office of the Christ, which many will not be familiar with, asked um, that I be president and spokesperson for the Christ Matrix, which is, we have a website, www.christmatrix.com, and a lot is explained on there. And about 10 months before Kathy died, we didn't know, even know she was sick at all, more and more responsibilities continued to be handed over to me, and Kathy and I were finally told that she would be leaving and that I would be carrying on. Well, most people, when they hear something like that, would be upset, but Kathy was excited. Pat, she wanted to get her work done and get out of Dodge. That's uh-huh. all she cared about. She wanted to ascend. She was very, very spiritual, and she wanted to get on her own. If she were alive, she still wouldn't be doing this interview now. She would refuse to do any interviews, book signings, or anything. She said, that's all for you to do. So I have about 600 pounds of her uh, channelings uh, that I'm supposed to turn into books. And this is getting back to how the book started. 
she sent me a box, which I call confetti, of tapes and files and videos and all kinds of things, of all her different teachings. And along with that and my past knowledge and Jesus guiding me, every time he works with anyone, he kisses us on the forehead before we begin. And the book started to come about. And sometimes I would work for four months without calling her and contacting her. And we would, you know, hash it over. And sometimes I would talk about a very deep concept with her. And she'd say, I don't understand. And I'd say, Kathy, you, you channeled this. And she wouldn't <laughs> even remember it, which made it so beautiful. This is why I even respect her even more, because she was a conscious channel. You know, there's a difference between a conscious channel and an unconscious channel. And she was absolutely conscious. But it was so pure, the information that come through. And, and if I can just keep talking on a second, I'll explain sure. right now before I go on any further, what a channel is, okay? Yes. Um, a channel, and uh, what happens is, in, in a scientific form, and this has been going on forever, a lot of biblical teachings and everything were, were done in the exact same way. And Jesus explains, he says, when we in the ascended ma- uh, uh, masters come through, he said there's a piercing light that descends through the person's crown center, and it oversoles their physical form. He said it's how they utilize the voice to bring their work onto the planet. And he warns you not to feel shame for believing that they have the ability to speak through messengers. He said because this form of com- communication always occurred, even when he was in that life as Jesus. And he said many, many, many original biblical accounts were related in this way. And he said in those days it was very accepted as a mean of communication by many, including himself. He said he believed in, in that as well. So that's the scientific part of what happens when somebody channels. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I, I love the way you're talking about Catherine uh, here for a minute. And Kathy, I think you call her. And, yeah, it's you know, bittersweet, Pat. It's a bittersweet experience. It is. It is. And, and it sounds like it is um, because I can only imagine, well, I know what it's like to have a very, very dear friend that you, you're quite not sure how you two got together, but you've kind of been together for a really long time. And you've been through the ups and downs, the warts, the surgeries, the laughter, right. <laughs> all of that. And you know what? You're still hanging in there. Yeah. Uh, and so I can appreciate that. But Thank what you. an enormous responsibility you have. Oh, you're not kidding. Enormous. I mean, there's a, there's a song out now in our pop culture, which I love, by the way. It's a song called um, uh, Titanium. And it's a song, and she says, I am titanium, saying that, you know what, I'm a tough you-know-what, and I know how to get through this. And and here's what's interesting. You and I can talk about this now, but when we go back and we look at some of the the writings that are in the book, uh, The Measure of Christ's Love, especially about people like John the Baptist, we can really reflect upon some of the parallels we see in the world today. So, for example, and I want you to comment on this, and I okay. love the way this book is written, by the way. Thank I mean, you. I just, it is just incredible. It's the kind of book, folks, I want to tell you, you're going to read it through once, and if you're like me, you've put different colored paper clips throughout yes. the book because you have to go back. Well, Pat, I mean, it was originally 860 pages. Oh, my gosh. And there's about 22 books to come just on this. It's a, it's a, Jesus said it's a classic. It's a keepsake. He said it's not meant to be read as a novel. And this, it's something people will keep by them as a reference to continually. He called it a sacred teaching. There were things in there he said I, there was terminology that he said I couldn't use. 
because he said in 200 years they won't know what that means. He said, and I said it's going to be around that long. He said longer. So, and, and the name of the title of the book I'm supposed to stop apologizing for, but I fought with him on this. I, I, he's like a brother to me mm-hmm. and to all of us, but I really truly look at him that way. And he would tell me that people have to get start start getting used to these words. He said. All these words, all these terms are meant for everyone. They're not supposed to be for one particular religion. And he said the word Christ, of course, means to raise your consciousness, higher consciousness. Anyway, I interrupted your question, so go no, on. No, I, I, I want to talk to this because I think what we, we are reminded of uh, through whatever suffering, whatever is going on in the world, I think we all get to be reminded of, of what it's like to to – uh, come to a place of peace. We don't right. always have an amazing, we don't always have moment by moment of this, but I will tell you, let me just talk to, um, what I didn't share with her listeners, what you were alluding to on Sunday. I found out today that on Sunday, my sister passed and, you know, she, she, I talked to her last week and apparently I talked to her on the last day that she was even able to talk. Wow. This is a woman that battled lung cancer had uh, an according to me an incredibly hard life, uh, but when I talked to her, it was as if Christ's voice came through her. I said to her, you know, she said, you know, I've lived a good life. I'm sitting here in my little RV. I've got my social security check. I'm surrounded by people that love me, and uh, and I'm happy. And I thought to myself, what does it take to get to that place? What does it take? Now, I think, you know, my sister Joyce has been like that most of her life. But at that place where you're, you know, you're looking at the gates, you know, there are moments. But she was such joy to talk with and uh, just amazement. And I read this book, and the question I have for you is, I mean, isn't this what Christ is talking about, that this is the way we were meant to be? Yes. We're not meant to suffer. No. We aren't meant to suffer. That's the the thing. People don't understand that. We have a very reasonable God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We have a God of reason, a God of compassion, not an angry God, not an Old Testament God. That's the thing. Parts of the Bible need to be taken into the reasoning of the modern world because that's old thinking. Yes, you're absolutely right. Your sister had the key. There's a saying that says happiness and joy is not a destination. It's a decision, and it truly is, and it's how you live your life. It's how you look at everything. The way you look at everything, you know, Kathy, um, she was an aunt, she was a sister, she was a, you know, she she was a, hus- a husband, <laughs> she was a wife, she adored her brothers, and she adored animals. You know, one time she had 11 cats and a dog. Uh-huh. She was irresponsibly generous, you know, she'd give her rent money away and wouldn't have her own. But we often talked about the joy and how you had to be and how you had to act. And it sounds like your sister, which is so important when you're when you're facing, you know, your final hours, is is to have that feeling of peace. Have that the feeling that you have when you die, the things that are on your mind, your 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 mental state really has a lot to do with where you will, um, you know, their course karma and everything too. But when you, when you're crossing over, it really helps you to have a better attitude, you know, an attitude of joy. Right. The reason you were born, we, nobody wants to talk about death. It's a very difficult subject to bring up. I did nine and a half years of hospice care. I loved it. Burnout is usually two years because I love being around 
people who were so close to the precipice of going on to another journey. That's the most important journey. This is a way stop. This is this is a purgatory world. This is a place that is a very difficult place to um, come to. Uh, the souls line up to come here, but they know there's uncertainty here, but they also have free choice and free will. And if you can make it through here, you can really ascend faster. That's one of the draws that we have for mm-hmm. coming, coming to this yeah. world. I'll tell you, my, my stepmom talked about it all the time. And, you know, uh, and, and she kind of said she joked about it. And this is kind of interesting because this kind of leads to the next question. Um, uh, you know, what you're talking about is, I think, a sense of, of, of what all the conversation about 2012 is about. Oh, you know, yeah. people are having their worlds shaken up. Even if you haven't lost your job and you still got your 401k or your pension, I bet there's something going on with you that's asking, is that all there is? Because there is an energy and a momentum. And yet, at the same time, we're looking for our modern-day John the Baptist. Yes. Did people think this man was weird standing yes. out there? Yes. But we have a few people in this world today <laughs> that folks are I'd be to. one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, I've seen more channels, psychics, mediums come out of the closet in the past five years than gay people. I mean, (laughs) and you know what I'm talking about. I do. I do. Yeah. And they're coming out. And and here's, I was talking to to one of them the other day from New Jersey, had her on the show. She's got a two-year waiting list, Vera, two-year waiting list. So let's ask this question in the terms of, you know, what is the Christ consciousness? And, you know, is this a time, this planetary alignment, whatever you want to call it, for people to weigh in? I mean, if Christ consciousness consciousness was a game in Vegas Casino, would we Uh be all in? Right. Well, the whole point. Well, first of all, people, your listeners, some of them might be, well, the ones that are your regulars won't be upset, but others may be offended, and I hope they won't. But we are all meant to become Christ's. This is the whole point, that when we talk about Christ consciousness, it's higher consciousness, it's raising your consciousness to the highest form. And that's what you've come here to do. That's what reincarnation is about, until you get it right. I mean, I actually was taken to the inner planes and shown what happens when you die. I know what happens when you're born. And we even touch on that. I know the book, you've only recently gotten it. But I don't know if you've gotten on the section of procreation, but it's absolutely fascinating how we choose to come here and our parents. We actually do choose our parents. A lot of us won't believe that, but we actually do. But in terms of 2012, the biggest earthquakes, Orpheus Phylos Phylos, um, uh, channels uh, Archangel Michael, and she said a long time ago that he said the biggest earthquakes are within are within. That's where the yeah. biggest earthquakes and the biggest changes and stuff. There's not going to be any catastrophe, I guarantee that. Other than if there's group consciousness, you might hear of a particular area geographically or something where, you know, there's a certain belief that can actually bring that about. But it's it's not really what it, it's about. To me, it's the beginning of the golden age. We are being prepared. Jesus said there are, I sound like, I, you know, I, I sound so funny when I talk about him because I'm talking like I, I would be talking about my husband, Walter, saying his name. <laughs> you know, because it, it's, it's, this is never my thing to be, uh, if I could be so bold to say a Jesus freak. And for me, he, he was, he explains himself as an example of our potential. He said, you know, I gave a future of what humankind is meant to be, and that's what he came down. He said, well, the biggest problem that people have here 
is that they masters come. He said masters that were more, more highly conscious than him have come to planet Earth, and the biggest mistake is humans give their power away, and they think he's God. And he said, I never said I was God. I don't want you to think I'm God. He said, I'm much more popular now than I was back then. But for 2012, what I would tell people is to start looking within. Start cleaning your act up. Because most people get what they call get religion when they're on their deathbed or something. Not everyone is as blessed as your sister. You know, clean up your past baggage. Lighten your load. You know, the gift of life is not meant to be complicated or for you to suffer. Keep it simple. Be authentic. Watch your intentions toward others and animals, by the way. Big, he's big about that. We're going to do a whole other book on that, too. And be compassionate and passionate about the planet. Live in gratitude. You know, these are just things that come off the top of my head. Live in gratitude. And to mm-hmm. be in joy is a gift. I mean, really, to have the passion. Jesus, Jesus always talks about creating things in your life. And we are so much more powerful than we think we are. We don't wait for it to happen. But if you can wake up every day and find something to be joyful about, we're always going through things. Like I'm going through something now, and, 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 and I'm really working so hard. I'm being joyful. I had one friend call me, and she said, oh, my gosh, did you sell your house? <laughs> I sounded delirious to her, and I said, no, I didn't, but I'm really working on keeping that joy. And just, you know, it really comes down to intentions, and, and, and people say to me, well, what about your beliefs? Between, I say, you know what? I really don't care what you believe, and I don't mean to be rude, but people's beliefs of, is of hardly any consequence. If you believe the world is square, isn't going to make the world square. Just don't make your beliefs the law for others. You know, what you believe, fine, but don't make it the law for everyone else. Everyone, you know, there's – I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, what I'm trying to say is, you know, for most of this and what this book really talks to, thanks to, you know, you and and Catherine putting this together, uh, you know, there are many places in the Bible where, first of all, Jesus talks to the point that we have the equivalent of whatever he had. I mean, you know, think about it. And I think it was John, greater things than these you shall do. I mean, numerous places in the Gospels, and it doesn't matter which, which part you read, there is a reference but certainly in the gospel according to thomas which is the mystery gospel right right (laughs) that secret teaching by the way what does jesus think about that gospel being left out i you know i would have to look into future channelings to see that because i i don't know about what he says about being left out but i do know what he says about the bible in general okay what does he say there are some sacred teachings in the Bible, and I do address, I do address that. He tells, he tells us all along that there's a lot of contra, there are contradictions, but he said the biggest problem was his disciples, many of his disciples were well-meaning, they loved him, and even they tried to protect him. They thought that some of the things he was saying about reincarnation, about different things, was weird. And even though it was very common then for them to believe it. And he said that because they were trying to protect him, they thought they were doing better, they changed his words. This was one of the biggest things we had happen, Kathy and I am talking about, had happened to us. Because he said to me, you've been entrusted with this work because you will not change the meanings of my messages. And that's 
the subtitle of the book. He wanted to clear up major misinterpretations uh, that have been going on in teachings. And he said that that has happened so often. He said, this is not what I said. And that's why a lot of times he, he, he will repeat over and over. He constantly begins, you have heard that it was said. You have heard that it was said. You'll read that in the Bible over and over again. Because he said there's so many errors in the teachings. And he said that's not what he meant at all. I mean, even something as simplistic as to turn the other cheek. He said he never meant that you stand there and get beat up. He's absolutely against that. But what he said, do not do that. He said what he really meant is you should not hold on to destructive patterns. Don't hang on to destructive energy patterns. He didn't mean we should become doormats. Don't place yourself in a situation unless you choose to be ridiculed and mistreated. Uh-huh. So, well, let me let me ask you a question okay. that's coming in from one of our listeners, sure. uh, because it talks to what you said about we choose our parents. And, and also, it's sort of, you know, uh, this conversation actually goes against tradition when we talk about reincarnation, because, you know, in the writings that you put in this book, it clearly talks to the point where Jesus says, I've been here many lives. I've yes. been not only here, but I've been on other planets. So this right. question has come from one of our listeners, you know, and the question is this. How do we choose our parents? How does that happen? Is there a lesson from the parents we are supposed to get? And is that why we pick them? Well, that's a really good question. And yes, there, and sometimes you're there to teach them too. It's not always the other way around. Uh, so, so what happens is this. If I can make up a little pretend story. This isn't sure. really how it, <laughs> how it happens. I always joke with Kathy that it's, it, we're on some etheric bar, okay? We're sitting around. There's no etheric <laughs> bar, but that's always yeah. my joke. That's how she got me to come in this life because I'm so, told I volunteered. But you're up there and you decide, okay, um, well, let's even back up. You're, you're, let's talk about if you just passed. You just passed. Well, when you, when you first, we're going to start with death to, to, to talk about birth, if you don't mind. Sure. When you first pass, when you first die, a lot of times you're allowed to see the people around, that, you know, your loved ones and around the coffin, and your energy is still there, especially if you're young or if you've died and you had a lot of drugs in you, even if it's medications and whatnot. Okay. And if you believe that there's actually a St. Peter and a Pearly Gate or something, there's a little scenario they'll put around just to make you acclimate it. All right. Then there'll come a day when you'll go before what's called the karmic board. Now, the karmic board is nothing to be feared. It's like if you were going to a gym and you wanted to get uh, washboard abs or something like that, and the, and the, the uh, trainer said, okay, you need to do 20 more sit-ups, you wouldn't fear the guy. You would say, oh, okay, thank you. And that's what the karmic board does. They help you with that. Okay, so suppose you in that life you just had, you said, okay, I wanted to accomplish 50 things. And you came down here and you worked on those 50 things and maybe you accomplished 30 of them and you didn't do 20 that were on your list. But perhaps you added five more that weren't on the list. So now you're going over and you say, well, this is what I did. This is what happened when I was, you know, on earth. So the karmic board sits here and they do a review and they try to decide what is best for you to do next. And that's how you, that's, so that happens prior to you, um, picking your parents or, you know, before you go on to another life. You may even spend some time in the fourth dimension or the fifth dimension or something like that. That can happen. Um, and then the, 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 the most important thing is that what happens when the soul is before the board, too, the karmic board will go over their life review and look exactly what they contributed or disclose the destructive and constructive patterns each soul created while being on earth. You know, whatever joy or damage you're responsible yeah. for placing on group consciousness and how this affects all those dwelling on the planet. 
So they say that your heart is weighed against a feather, and Jesus says, yes, that's true. Anyway, unfortunately for many, when they come before the karmic board, they get scared. They have a lot of remorse, not because the karmic board upsets them, but just because they're more concerned about or they can finally clearly see how they have affected other souls or other people. So now that they're in a more awakened consciousness, they can, they can grieve for the damage they caused or be joyful for the joy they brought. And then they can pick a new opportunity to rectify those actions. So when they're going to pick a new, this is taken to the birth question now. Yeah. So those few who held joy and respect and divine love and mercy on earth, you know, they go where souls, like-minded souls are. This is what their hell is. If you've been among those on, you know, who uh, at your death were angry and hateful and and uh, murderer or somebody yeah. like that. Yeah. You go where like-minded souls go. But that doesn't mean that they're lost forever because you can pray for them and they can ask for an opportunity that can change that eventually. Anyway, so now you've gone beyond that and you're in some way station, you're in some place, you know, like the fifth dimension where it's very wonderful and, and you're saying, okay, you know what, now it's time for me. You've gone to, you can go to different schools, by the way, on the inner planes. And now it's time you want to take another birth and you've decided that earth is the place for you to come. So, what happens is you actually, it's very, very, very um, involved. And the section in the book that I'm talking about, it's called uh, A Wake-Up Call to World Service. It's Responsible Procreation, which is vital for planetary evolution. And the Karmic Board also helped with this section, and uh, Lady Nada specifically. Oh, and yeah. they said that, yes, and they said that the, one of the things they want to share is that the information on the conception of children is that this helps the, the, the parents to understand the process. And they said that they want people to understand that they're also presently preparing souls to come to the planet. So some souls have uh, grown very fond of Earth, and this is why they want to come back, or they belong to a group here. And that's also because they've been away too long. Because what you want to do, actually, is to break the cycle of rebirth. You want to ascend to the higher heavens. But if you're going to come here and you say, all right, what can I do? Well, they actually look down, and there's not just one particular set of parents that they can come with, that they can be birthed in. It's going to be somebody who can best help them. I'm going to use myself as an example. I'm the sure. youngest of 11 kids, all right? Yeah. I, w- I had a, um, a mother who was a saint and a father who was a challenge. And... W- and we were poor, very, very poor, but we had a lot of culture. My dad was an artist. My mother was a concert musician. Why would I ever choose if I <laughs> to come in and choose those parents? Also, and I used to think this over as a little kid, I also would think if there's not reincarnation, that means there's a partial God, because why is somebody born gorgeous, perfect health, and in the lap of luxury in a very wealthy family, and somebody's born in India with, uh, and, and not, I love India, I'm not saying anything negative about that, but if they're in a very poor section with flies crawling all over them and no medical attention, what are these choices? What are the reasons? Well, it's all about the lessons. It's all about whatever lessons that we have to go through. And... You know, anyway, so so you make that decision. Well, before a soul is actually born, God speaks to each soul. Or even the karmic board sometimes speaks directly to them as well. And this all goes through what is called the higher self. Anyway, typically there's a, a, lot, a certain degree of mastery a soul wants to experience in each incarnation, in incarnation. So they decide prior to this, what do I want to seek? What opportunities do I want to seek? And then they try to find a like-minded set of parents that are going to help them with that. And 
even the mentality of the soul before a new embodiment determines the level of intelligence it desires. And there's a wave signal that goes out to the planet. And we, we go into this very scientifically, very detailed. And then the soul is required to take a careful look at its soul records and try and identify, you know, the different pros and cons for each embodiment before it chooses its earth parents. And then there's council meetings between the soul and the prospective parents and the karmic board, excuse me, the karmic patterns between the parents and the incarnating soul are, are often determined. And then DNA gets into it, the incoming soul, they enter a spiral of light and it contains its DNA and necessary components for birth. I mean, there's many, many, many things. And then there's a veil of forgetfulness that comes across. And, and this happens purposely because you don't want your, all of your memories from a previous incarnation um, to come with you. It, it would be too much of a challenge to deal with the world here, you know. And, and well, I, I can only imagine. I mean, my gosh, isn't it hard enough for us to deal with the present moment that we live in <laughs> than to have to bring lifetimes of other sludge with us? Yeah, um, and, and past yeah. lives. Past lives are only important if it has to do with this life. Mm-hmm. You know, well, let me ask you another question uh, sure. because this is fascinating along these lines as well. You know, I mean, Jesus talks about I come back, I come back to you as you know before I incarnated as Jesus. Uh, you know, there's that language and dialogue that comes on. There's the question that has always come up. You know, some people have said, and definitely people that I know have passed on say, when I come back, I'm going to come back as a rose. Uh, and and the, I guess there is a, a kind of a joke about that. Did you say as a rose? As a rose, or I'm going to oh, come back as sad? my cat. It, well, yeah, everybody. Well, I say sad, Pat, because, gosh, all the work we do I on know, ourselves, yeah, to come back as a rose or an insect, or you know, some, no, that it doesn't doesn't work. And I don't mean to put down those that believe that, because there are some beliefs. That there's naturism, there's a belief. Um, I've right. studied many, 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 many uh, different religions and things for the fascination of it. And for me, um, I never bought that. But no, that doesn't happen. There wouldn't be a reason for it to happen. Reincarnation should be understood as an opportunity for a soul to take on additional lessons so it can release judgments from other incarnations or whatever. And it's, it's, it's a way to help us to ascend and to learn what it's like. Because eventually, as I said earlier in the conversation, each of us has to become Christed. Do you know there's actually dimensions, planets, where there's nothing but Christ's? On the whole planet, can you imagine the energy going someplace like that? Whoa. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when we think about our own uh, situations, we have been a planet where there was nothing but crisis for, you know, at different points in time in our history. And, you know, honestly, some people think we're on the brink of, we're on the brink of that now. Well, you're referring but, to Krishna and other masters that have been here. Exactly. Yeah, because the word Krishna means Christ. Well, you see, this is really interesting, and and you know this, and I'm learning this. I've decided to look at all the female uh, deities that show up. Yeah, Kwan Yen. Exactly. You know there's there's saints alive today, too. I mean, people don't realize that. They think miracles only happen in the Bibles and stuff. There's a hugging saint, and there's there's many saints. Babaji. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, let me ask this question because, you know, this is something that uh, also you talk about in the book. Um, but here it is. If you come back, and this is coming from another listener. I love our listeners. They're so cool. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so if you, if you don't get the message 
I think meaning the first time, you come back to get the message correctly. Is this true? Well, I think what I hear you saying is it's really an evolution of things, isn't yeah. it? You got there, it. May, there may be some things that I feel, I will tell you this for myself, I know that I got some lessons in this life. I cannot <laughs> believe that I will have to do them again. I, no, I, you won't no, have to. No, and no, honey, I no. wanted to say something too that when she says the message, yeah, it's. Let me use Kathy's father. She, Kathy talks about this in the book too. Kathy's mm-hmm. father was an atheist. Mm-hmm. Her mother was Catholic, and you know, did all these pray, prayers and had statues all around her house, and was a, basically a very good person. When her father died, he went higher than her mother. The reason is, getting back to what I said earlier, is your intention. The mm-hmm. authenticity, how you treat people, that's what matters. That's the message. That's the innate message. We can't go to our churches, our temples, or our altars and pray, and then in life, you, you know, not carry out that same consciousness. I that know. Has to be, the thread has to follow through the whole piece of the fabric. Well, that's let me, makes, well ahead, I think what you're talking about, um, and I want to I get to this in the book. One of the things that comes up in this book over and over and over again, and I'm going to switch gears a little bit, okay. but I think it's in line with what you're saying, is the seal of Abraham. Uh-huh. And, and I want to talk about this for for a little bit because you know several places in in, in the book, you know I read I, I have read that you know that the seal of Abraham is now being returned to humankind as part of kind of a covenant that was spoken about ancient days and so forth. And I want to talk about this because I think there are some points that you know Jesus points out that this is a symbol of faith. And I want to talk a little bit about what the seal of Abraham is. Okay. Well, first of all, this, the, the representation of that is the Star of David. Mm-hmm. And the Star of David, people think of it as a Jewish symbol. And the Jewish people were just smart enough to grab onto that incredibly potent seal, which is meant for everybody, excuse me, symbol. And the seal of Abraham is the uniting of the higher self's light. It's available to all of us on, on the planet. And it's a living energy, and it supports our path of awareness to our true soul identity. It was a gift. Um, uh, he said he was asked that this gift be returned to us. Yes. Right. Yes. And it's, it's really a deliverance, and it's a qualified, his energies. Oh, excuse me, you hear one of my dogs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. And anyway, um, I think you were telling me that... Um, John the Baptist, when he was talking about his glorious day, when yes. he was baptized with the seal of Abraham. Yes. And um, for, for me, most people don't understand the effects of how powerful this is. Yeah. How very powerful the seal of Abraham can be for most people, for yeah. everyone, excuse me, not for most, most people. Anyway, the Holy Spirit, it, it's also the energy within the, within the seal of Abraham. And it's within the balance of the threefold flame. I don't know if you had much time. I know the book is very new to you, so I'm very impressed. No, I, I've absolutely read it. And that's really why I'm asking this question about the seal oh, okay. of Abraham. Because I think it really pulls so many things together. It does. It you, does. You know, well, including the I am presence. I mean, yeah. You know, we see this elevation now of the I am coming out in different spiritual practices. And, you know, even even if you look at one of the leading Christian pastors out there, Joel Osteen, you know, he has come forth and forward about the I am and the presence of God within us and so forth. So there's something that's shifting. Yes. Well, even saying the words I am is powerful. Yes, it is. 
just just saying that those two words together. But the the seal of Abraham it, it it continues to elevate you in a spiral of energy to an awakened state of consciousness, and everything is about ascending. And this holds you know th- this holds thoughts present in the high heavens that are the higher regions and realities. You know the Holy Spirit opens a tabernacle within and it ignites the fire, the light bodies. A lot of this is going to lose some of the people that are listening, and I don't mean that in a, in a, in a um, condescending way, but these are a lot of terms that they're not familiar with, like light bodies and threefold flame and things like that. But the main thing they have to get, the bottom line of all of this, is that even if you don't understand these concepts, even if you don't understand all these things about planes or any of the things that we talk about, just know that you can go within, you can meditate, you can read, you can always ask Jesus bring you to whatever level of awareness your soul is at. And and you'll have a different kind of understanding. Even if you don't understand a crystalline essence or you don't know what um, you know threefold flame is or any of these things, there's an expansion of light that creates a corresponding resonance, open tributaries of light and passages for anchoring the, high, the I am flame or the heart of your I am presence. But if you don't know that, all you have to know, know is that you're being uplifted internally and that the most important thing you can do is always go within. Always go within. You don't have to know any of these terms. Just know that anything you ask for will be brought to you. You know that old saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears? That's absolutely true. Yes, yes. The reason I bring it up, and you're absolutely right, we have a great group of listeners, and I will guarantee you that if there is something we say that they don't get, they will Google it and find out about it. Or or if you you want, what I would encourage everybody to do is go get the book, The Measure of Christ's Love. Well, thank Um, you. And, you know, let's give out your website because this book is written in such a way that you don't have to be – someone that has studied theology, this book is written so clearly and concisely that people will get this. By the time they get to the flame or they get to the seal of Abraham, they'll be jumping up and down. You know, I mean, in the book, you also talk about limiting thoughts uh, create false prophets and fear. And, you know, this is something everybody listening to this show is going to get. You see what I'm saying? But the way that you talk about it in terms of separation from Christ's consciousness is sort of the piece of the puzzle that's always, that seems to be missing. Well, I'll tell you, you got it. You got, I can't believe it. You've had this book a short time, and you've got it. I do need to end one thing on the seal sure. of Abraham. It says that, yes. that Jesus makes it very clear to people that you can't obtain any of the, these initiations without learning to love one another and right. love yourself. Right. But you got it. That, that is the essence. The whole thing is to wake people up, to get them to, to start realizing that they have to stop being in fear. We, there is no separation from God. It, 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 it's actually impossible to be separated from God. I mean, it would be, be crazy to, to even think of that. But um, did, I'm sorry, what was your question that you asked? Well, uh, this is what I want to talk about, the okay. separation from Christ consciousness, because I think this is, you know, there are different parts in your book where Jesus is talking about, and he says this over and over again. He says, I never meant this to be this way. I never meant this to be taught this way. I right. never meant it. And, you know, here's the point that I want to come to in this section. Okay. 
Limiting thoughts create false prophets and fear, separation from Christ consciousness. It's hard for me to imagine, you know, growing up in the religion I grew up in and, and, and moving through to the place where I am today. It's hard for me to imagine that if Jesus is love and separation and, and to close that gap and, and, and there be no separation from Christ consciousness, we have to stop the separations we create amongst right. ourselves. So right. on one level, you can't be talking about Christ consciousness and say gay people don't fit in. Well, or yeah, but people of that's color the problem. Don't fit in. Right. Most re- many religions today, and again, not about I'm not putting down people's religion per no, se, no. but religions no, that are based either. religions that teach judgment. Of course, you're going to have followers who are judging, right? Right. You know, if anyone, if everyone knew, if they had faith in knowing, it's truly impossible to be connect, disconnected. You're the one, not you, Pat. I mean, we can disconnect ourselves from our divine mother and father. It's unfeasible. It's like a, a wave disconnecting itself or disengaging from the sea. I love this analogy. I have a great analogy of how I think we can tie this up. Sure. You know, um, if you were to take a cup of water and scoop a cup of water from the ocean, right? Right. A part of the ocean would now be in the cup. Right. Okay, so though it would appear the cup of water is now separated from the ocean, the water in the cup will always be a part of the ocean. However, if I pour the water back, once that water that was in the cup merges with the sea, you'll never be able to once again decipher the liquid that was once in the cup from the body of the ocean, right? Right. So we're all connected. We can never be disconnected. This is why every one of us is is. Together. Do you know when, when, when there's a switch, when somebody is executed, every single one of us is flipping that switch. When we get angry and, and, and we are contributed, that anger, that energy, because everything's energy, science has proved everything's energy. When you have anger, that energy can be picked up by a murderer and it could actually roll like a rolling ball, like a, um, a snowball going down a mountain and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And what happens is we contribute to every single thing on this planet, every one of us. That's how connected we are. But when we do the opposite, when we send joy and love and happiness and kindness out, you can actually stop something negative from happening. And, and, and prayers work. Prayers are so powerful. Meditation is powerful. One of the things that I, I want to bring us full circle about this is um, in, in, in this busy, busy world, and many people talk about this, and that's why I brought the seal of Abraham up, because, you know, it talks about this light, and it talks about the I am presence. And clearly, in the day and age uh, that we're, we're in right now, which is nowhere near where we are going to go technologically in the next 10, 20, 30, 100 years. We are not even at an, we can't even fathom what the world will be like then, given the age of technology. But aren't we being reminded by what's written in here and also by the I am presence that we, we need not forget that we are not our technology, we are not our textbooks, and, you know, we are not our cell phones, and, and that there is an importance to make sure that we not only separate from our consciousness, that we don't separate from each other. That's right. That's right. And I think that's going to be our greatest challenge, really, in a lot it, of it, ways. It, it is. And, you know, we try and fathom what all of this is. I mean, we try and fathom what, what God is, and I always tell people, I don't know what 
what God is. I, I, to me, I wouldn't even begin to try and wrap my brain around that. But I just said, what I do know is he is love, and that's what we have to show mm-hmm. each other. But I do know there's a lot of good uh, evidence out there, compelling evidence, that Jesus was a woman. He fed a crowd at a moment's notice, you know, and there was virtually no food around. He kept yes. trying to get a message across to a bunch of men who just didn't get it. <laughs> and even when he was dead, he had to get up because there was still work to do. It's a joke. <laughs> I probably absolutely stunned you. You're like, oh, my God, who am I talking to? <laughs> no, no, I absolutely I absolutely was kind of chuckling inside because, you I know, told honestly. I told you, yeah, producer. I have a friend of mine that said, you know, there's a lot of evidence that Jesus was gay. But, you know, when you think about it, Jesus was all things. You know, it's really interesting when Can we I address that about, what you said about gay, though? Yes, go ahead. You know when you become a master... They don't even have that. They have different DNA than we do because yeah. we've gone through so much consciousness. And, right. and we are getting the, the different initiations that we come to, the more conscious you become. And meditation, which is extremely important to everybody, is such a valuable tool. Um, your DNA does begin to change. And they don't have the kind of drive, that sex drive. They, that would be something so under them. And poor Mary Magdalene, she was not, she was not a whore. <laughs> well, anyway, so what were you going to say? Uh, Mary Magdalene is someone that I related to at seven years old. Wow. Uh, a very early age. Uh, and as a matter of fact, you know, I was in Catholic boarding school uh, at seven. And my mother died when I was in Catholic boarding school. And I got to spend some very, very precious time in the chapel uh, over that period of time. But, you know, for me, I developed a very close relationship with uh, an entity that I knew as Jesus without any rules or restrictions. And wow. you know this and I know this, that in current day in current day religion, you know, there are hierarchies that Jesus and God never intended. Right. You know, th- there are no steps that we need to climb to have our connection to the divine. No. And I think that's what this book really, you know, uh, no to kind man. of, you know, I, I want to bring this full circle because if there was a middleman, this book wouldn't be written this way. And cl- and clearly, more and more people, you go across the world and you look at the studies that are done on prayer. People are talking to God. Yeah. And yet we're told in certain um, religious sectors, no, you can't talk to God. That's meant for this group or that group. Isn't this now the time for us to let go of all our preconceived notions about restriction and limitation and become open to the world of many epic spiritual uh, uh, consultations? Right. And you obtain light and grace through prayer work, you know, as needed for your next experience. And it's just time spent with God to uplift you. You know, it's a time when you commune with God. You're absolutely right. Well, and for me, I'm like, you know, probably like millions of people. I grew up praying with a rosary. I love holding it. I probably don't have the meaning that it was meant to have when I pray with it. But we all go through these symbolisms, don't we? And there isn't any right or wrong, is there? No. Well, no, no, there's not. It's just intention. I just changed the words to the to the the whole to the to the prayer though. When I don't say the the prayer the way you know, Holy Mary, Mother of God, <laughs> I, don't, I take all the things out about sinners because Jesus is really big on the fact that we are without sin and that He did not die for our sins, and that was a a very big thing. There's a chapter on it. He says He truly did not die for His sin. He said what He did do was shift the awareness regarding the ability to take on the Christ mind so others could follow in His footsteps, not to the cross, but to a path to a loving God. 
And he said he took this path upon himself, and he said his murder was his decision just so he could make a dent in the world. Right. So, but, but doesn't can I he also my website he, out? Yes, please do that. www.christmatrix.com and www.themeasureofchristlove.com. It's the name of the book. So and that's you. where you can get it. You can get the book everywhere. Uh, you know, I want to wrap up here by on on what you just mentioned about uh, dying for our sins, guilt, and shame, and and also, you know, the symbol of of the 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 crucifixion. You know, becoming a symbol of change or what it was originally meant to be. And I wanted to ask you as we, as we close, you, as you look at this book and the many what how many how many more pages did you say you had to get through, Vera? Uh, the, the, the pay, oh, I have 860 originally. Right. This is 314 now. Okay. As you move forward, um, there are some deep and profound messages, of course, that many of us need to hear. What would you say uh, if you could pick any one theme of what you'd like to leave us with tonight? What would that sound like? Love. I say that the book, my husband is the one that came up with that. He said that the book, he said, if I had to describe this book to anybody, he said, I would say it's a book about love. It doesn't tell you what to think it tells you how to think it tells you that things that that how to relate to one another and to start thinking for yourself don't be a sheeple you know jesus really was more about you know i don't want to use the word tolerance i'm not i'm not a fan of that word it sounds like a judgment Mm -hmm. but it was really about loving one another and and not um thinking that just because you you're in a certain religion or whatever it's okay there's many roads if we had the same destination and you took a boat and I took a bike we're still going to get to the same place that's right that's just right to, just have respect it, i'm sorry yeah that's right except if i took a boat i'd be more scared than you cuz i'm afraid <laughs> of water <laughs> But, you know, you mentioned real quick, you mentioned, I don't know how much time, I, I gave the, our website because I thought yep. that um, our time was going to be up, but they, you mentioned the cross, and that's yep. one of my pet peeves because I see a lot of times people uh, will wear a crucifixion around their neck. And Jesus, Kathy talked about in the book when she wanted to get, a, she was going to make a, a cake pan for an Easter celebration, and it was in the shape of the cross, and he said, please don't do that. He wants people to get away from that and dropping the cor- cross. And um, it's, a, it's a murder symbol. If, if some Somebody you love was killed by a a knife. You wouldn't wear the knife around your neck, you know. And so he said that the symbol of the cross has become a, a, a weight on people, a, a way of suffering. I know they do this in reverence, and they don't mean it in a, in a negative way. But he really wants to clarify that, you know, to, to look at what he represented, that he is an example of your potential. And that is the main thing of the book. He wasn't God, never said he was. And that he wants you to start looking at him from that perspective, as a guide, as a brother, as someone who's saying, you can do this too. You, you can become Christed as well. Well, Vera, thank you for the thank show. You. And, and, you know, let me just mention to you, it's so interesting you mentioned that. Um, for the first time in, oh, my God, 55 years, uh, last year, I, uh, I decided to wear a cross. And um, the reason I did that, is because in all of my humanness and some of the challenges I was experiencing in life, I'm a, in life, I'm a very tactile person. The minute I put my hand on it, it means something different for me. It does that's remind important. me of the love. Well, then well, that's what you need to do. Everyone is different. You need to do what you need to do for yourself. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me Thank you. Me I today. appreciate this generosity of, of, of this offering, and I look forward to 
meeting you or many of the listeners someday, and a lot of them show up at the signings before they actually arrive. All right. Thank you so <laughs> thank much. You. Thank Bye-bye. you all. We'll see you next time on the Dr. Pat Show. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Our hosts are setting a new standard for a fresh kind of talk radio, creating conversations that are transforming the world, one listener at a time. Transformation Talk Radio's mission is to broadcast a distinct blend of live talk radio interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, educational and practical information. Topics range from personal development to critical issues relevant to a rapidly changing world. Stay tuned. Transformation Talk Radio starts at the top of every hour.